0: Yo, 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 it's Mickey Facts, and right now you're tuned in to Fly Fidelity, one of the best podcasts in the entire world, especially overseas in the UK. Make sure you guys check them out, man. Keep it locked.
1: It's Mickey. First I say, say, what we're gonna we gonna
0: do? Then, then you say, say, I don't know. What do you wanna
1: do? What are we gonna do? What you wanna, wanna do? I have an idea. You gonna dig this? The Fly Fidelity podcast is the, the solution. solution. It's the, the, the best. best. Check it out. You wanna get super flat? flat fly. fly. Details just ahead. Do you love credible content but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it?
0: There's a better way.
1: Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity podcast.
0: Fly Fidelity baby. Fidelity
1: baby. Fidelity
2: with your host, Luke Bailey. life fidelity, credible content for incredible times. Welcome to episode 32, featuring special guest Mickey Fax. On this episode, we talk about his brand new collaborative EP with Luke and produced by Knots as well as the future, which includes Mickey Mouse 2, and so much more on this episode. Enjoy the conversation. The last time we talked was a very different timeline than when we're navigating today. You had just released Mickey Mouse, which is a time capsule itself of the 80s and a bullseye of the zeitgeist of that moment. Can you speak to your intentions of capturing some form of zeitgeist today with the narrative, this brand new EP, of course?
0: Uh, yeah, man. I uh, I was in a different mind state then. I had to actually become that physical person, that fictional person, part of me, uh, in the physical form. And it was one of those things where you know you hear about. Uh, actors method acting I was method rapping and I i don't want to say it was the first of its kind but it was definitely something that was different from the norm at that time in 2012 I haven't really done that and and placed myself in that position again since then I mean maybe like on a song here or a song there but never really a full project so even with this project with Blue um I approached it uh, as, you know, this is my peer, uh, not really a competitor, but just someone who I respect highly. So I'm going to give, you know, my utmost respect to his him and his pen mm. and try to create the best product that we possibly can.
2: It's a project that comes from a very personal space, isn't it? Much like the Mickey Mouse project we're talking about, which is interesting when comparing that period of time with this moment and the anxieties between both periods. Can you talk about those anxieties in the 80s versus the anxieties now and being an artist around such, you know, varied and unusual circumstances?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of anxiety around the Mouse Project, mostly because it had leaked on January 15th, I believe. It leaked early and I was very depressed about that because I had worked so hard on my project and my music typically doesn't leak, um, so I had to go back in and create more. Um, I created more. I, I, I created uh, more dialogue, more of the um, mouse speaks things. So there were more interludes that I put on there, and I also added some extra, uh, like after the interludes, there were extra songs, and then I I created taking pictures of girls naked that was the last official song for that for that project um in terms of now there's really no pressure i don't have any anxiety when i put a project out now i feel like
2: Mm.
0: you know it's this is the this is the art that i'm creating and i know my support system is going to love it however for Mouse two i've been experiencing anxiety (laughs) for a very
2: long time oh yeah it's It's big shoes to fill. We're talking about a project that's been delayed for so many years as well. So when that does come out, finally, we're looking forward to being able to unpack that and talk about it on this podcast for another episode. About this new project, though, of course, with Blue and Knots behind the boards, the narrative. Let's talk about the narrative for a bit. Was it challenging turning what's easily being some of the most darkest years of humanity into a silver lining and emerging, you know, on the other side, as energized as you sound with this body of work on this project.
0: Um, I was happy to be back in the studio. You have to remember the world shut down. Yeah. So when the world shut down, nobody was recording. We started recording after people started being comfortable opening up the, uh, the world and businesses and studios, uh, you know, the COVID was very new in terms of information on what it was doing. So we had no clue uh, of what it did. So, you know, once the world started opening up in a, around late April, early May, that's when me and Blue started to record the project. Um, and it was it was more of a vigorous zeal as opposed to scared, you know, not knowing what was going on. We were excited to get back in the studio. It was refreshing for us to be there. Smicky! Lord
1: knows I'm from the gutter gutter Trying to get my own island Screaming gutter gutter. Dated a detective and had her undercovers She had a son and he called me a motherfucker <laughs> Now should I take that as a compliment Or an insult My impulse says acknowledge it Didn't finish college but my knowledge sick Now I got my own boat
2: so, what kind of space were you in prior to starting this project?
0: Um, the space that I was in, I was in a, uh, I was in a more melodic uh, trap style. Mm. I was working on a project called Black Dahlia. Uh, it was a group called Black Dahlia, and we were working on our EP called Hugo, which is juice in Spanish, myself and Fly D'Antoni. So I was in a completely different space musically. I was trying to create this synergy of, I was trying to create the synergy of lyricism and trap, fun, melodic music. And it was coming out incredible. Um, and the pandemic hit and people weren't going out to party or club. People were in a down mood and it reflected in the sales of the songs we put out. We put out two songs and it reflected in that. So it's interesting. It was, you know, that was me attempting to kind of turn the corner and see what my fan base would think about me dabbling in that style of music, but it wasn't, It wasn't right so I said okay well let me dive back into my lyrical side more and it turned out better than I expected
2: by doing that. Talk to me about working with Blue for the narrative which I know isn't your first time you've worked together. This material is the perfect marriage between yourself you know with your raw lyricism and his insight and theories. How has working with Blue for this project expanded your relationship with language and elevating your craft?
0: Blue is one of the greatest poets of all time, in my opinion. He's an incredible mind that has a vast vision of what the world is like. And from my perspective, I'm more raw, visceral lyricism. So you combine a poet, it's like honestly, it's like combining Malcolm X and Langston Hughes. Mm. And uh, me, I'm 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 straight to it and I'm trying to impress the people with the language while he's being very reserved, laid back, and trying to... He's pulling you in with his... Um, not his wordplay, but more so the usage of his tonality and how he delivers what he's saying. And it comes across as a great dynamic of, like, uh, a chocolate-covered salty pretzel, right? Like, mm. you get both You get both um, sides of this great tasting snack right you get the sweet and you get the the salt right and i think right. by us being able to combine these two styles we were able to create something incredible and i think people really really appreciated this project from us both
2: was it a quick turnaround to finish the verses for this project we finished
0: him and i finished in a month um you know i think he had to rewrite like two verses and we couldn't use, I think, two beats. We were just, you know, Knots has a plethora of, of beats to choose from. And there were two beats we couldn't use. So everything we recorded to, with the exception of one song, made the, the project. The other uh, one song that we couldn't use was because of um the sample was just too crazy. So everything we recorded, we used, which speaks volumes. That rarely happens. People usually record a lot and then they leave stuff on the cutting room floor there was nothing on the floor with the exception of a sample and um we finished fairly quickly if we started recording in the beginning of may we were done in june the reason why the project took nine months to come out we were waiting on features right that project honestly should have came out last year i have it on my calendar of coming out last year but It was, it it just, the features were just taking forever, man. Um, People don't move like how I move. I, I get features done very quickly.
2: Which is crazy because you mentioned, of course, this space that everybody's in with the pandemic last year and having a lot more time and flexibility to create and work together. You would have thought it would have been a quicker turnaround for those artists to, you know, deliver those verses for this project. About those features, you've talked in the past about how your fans inadvertently created the lineup of guests that made up the achievement. What was the process for the narrative between yourself both and Blue this time?
0: We had some great uh, plan A, plan B, plan C features for the, the narrative. Um, first, we wanted Busta Rhymes on the, on Rain. Um, and we, when we couldn't get Busta, because he was working on his album, ah. we, we put our focus on Common. Um, and I wanted Common on Rain. Mm. The, Common was very difficult to get in contact with because he was filming a movie at the time. Um, so then I said, okay, we moved on to, uh, King Los, and King Los at the time, I think he wasn't doing features at that time. So he was like, yo, I'm not doing anything right now currently. So I was like, okay. So then we moved, I was like, let me reach out to Wale. Wale couldn't make it happen. So I said, okay, let's do Asher. And Asher was, Asher got it done. And I don't want him to sound like he's Plan E, but you know, he, he was perfect for this record. Um, given being that I had never worked for, with him but he had worked with Knots and Blue before right. so it was, it was a great uh, feeling to have him a part of that uh, Bilal was another artist that we wanted to get on a song we wanted to get him on Dark Souls he is currently in Africa so the turnaround time was a little tough for him to make, ha- make that happen uh, Elzai was originally supposed to be on Dark Souls as well um, but Elzai Elzai can be very tough to to track down. Yeah, as as talented as he is, he he he, you know, he told me, yo, you know, my verse is done. I, I'm just gonna record it, and then I hadn't heard from him for like six months. So we we moved on to um, Sari, the kid who who destroyed it, as well as El Hay. They both sang choruses on it. Um, Iman Omari was always supposed to be on that song, uh, the intro, which is uh, Stay Down. Uh, freedom was always coded a friend. Uh, he, I really wanted him to do a 16 bar verse. He uh, mistaken when I texted him and said eight bars after my verse. I think he thought I wanted eight bars, but I really wanted a 16. I wanted him to wait eight bars after <laughs> my verse. Um, but you know, his uh, his contribution was, I loved it. Uh, Tank and Shorty from Tank and the Bangers, Tariana Bell, she she destroyed. You know, what she did. Yep. Osmond was always supposed to be on there as well as Fashawn. So, you know, we got who we got on there, and I'm grateful for the features and the people who contributed to the project. Since the rise of the coronavirus, we
1: have lost over 3 million lives. The moment the of silence. And that back to blacks rioting, another black man killed by police being violent. And the passing of Kobe Bryant plus Gigi and the families with him and the pilot. Now they in heaven with Nancy. Another Los Angeles staple Turned to a memory.
2: Was there any dialogue about any other producers contributing to the Sonics in addition to Knots? Or was the plan always for Knots to produce this?
0: Um it was we 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 juggled other producers to to to, to take the reins to do the whole project. Uh, we had we we spoke to Eric Sermon, we had spoke to Pete Rock, we spoke to Bink.
2: And there wasn't somebody else that we spoke to, but, you know, we we chose to go with Knotts instead. It's interesting we're so used to seeing and too often being spoiled with a glimpse into Knotts' process and production ahead of releases on Instagram. Were any of the beats we hear on this project originally posted on his Instagram?
0: Um, That's a great question. Uh, I want to say Rain was on his Instagram. Right. I want to say Rain was there, and I want to say... Because Rain... Because the original... He had sampled The original Rain was something completely different, and we couldn't use it for the sample. So he said, go on my Instagram and find something. And and Rain was one of those that we found. Stay Down was in the email. Freedom was in the email. Um, Dope. I want to say... I want to know and so so roll-up and, and rain were on his Instagram.
2: Let's talk about Rain is such a dope track, man, if not one of my favorites on the project. How did the track come about? What was the inspiration behind that? Uh I I heard that beat and
0: um I used some of my verse. From the original rain and put it on there i I, I felt like we need we needed a record of us just rapping and going ham mm-hmm. and i uh the the second the the ninth bar to the sixteenth bar was from the original rain, and the first eight bars I was like I'm gonna write something completely different and 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 bar heavy and I remember blue hearing that verse uh, and he sent his verse in and I was like, okay, your verse is dope. And then Asher sent his verse in and Asher's verse is unbelievable. Um, and then blue is like, no, I can't. He's like, I got to send a different verse in." you guys went crazy. So he sends a different verse in. Um, and yeah, I mean, that record was more about the beat like the beat just was like mm. you gotta go crazy because it was such a heavy record
2: mm, mm. another heavy record on this project is one with for sean you mentioned it just earlier how did that one come about um me and for sean have been talking about working for i want to say about
0: seven years now
2: it's a long time coming it's overdue i've been waiting for a track from you guys man yeah.
0: And, you know, I was like, yo, man, I want you to do a chorus for this because I really wanted to showcase Oswin Benjamin's record. Yeah. I mean, verse and his skills. He was like, I got you, Mickey. And then, you know, we I still ended up doing something with uh Fashawn that's coming out later this year with Nino Bless. Dope. Uh, so we'll, you'll hear me and Fashawn rapping together this year.
2: Dope. Dope. Has it always been so easy to sink into your identity creatively within your come up? You know, you talked about the last project prior to making this and how you were in a awkward place creatively and how you, you know, bounce back into a place of comfort with this project. Can you talk about going from in search of NERD and evolving with the leak? to method rapping with Mickey Mouse and, you know, everything between that, all of which has been an accumulation to your most elevated work with the narrative?
0: Oh, man, these are amazing questions. Um, <laughs> In Search of the N.E.R.D. was, um, was the brainchild of my a at the time, Steve-O. And it uh, took me out of my comfort zone of singing and being experimental because the beats were rock live drums from pharrell and chad hugo um and that was basically the catalyst for my style from henceforth um the last three projects that i released uh collages i got that done in maybe a week i wrote it in in like uh, maybe three or four days um so um i knocked that out really quickly there was no real uh Writer's block for me there. And the same thing, uh, same thing with Hugh, the project I dedicated to my son. I wrote yeah. that project in three days and recorded it in one day. When I get into that zone, it's just, it's really difficult for me to not finish up. Uh I think the the, the most difficult project that I think that I ever put together, I would say is probably. I'm better than you. I'm better than you might have been the, the 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 most difficult project I've ever put together. Mostly because there was a lot of pressure and there was some thoughts about the direction and where I was wanted to go musically and there were I recorded a, I recorded a lot of music for that project. Usually everything I record usually makes the project. That was like the first time I recorded so much music and a lot got left off of the project and you know that's the reason why it the project sounds the way it sounds is because we were trying to appease so many different people it's kind of like what drake does now right um now i'm i really enjoy doing singular projects with the producer so the sound is linear and you can kind of you don't have to be like, okay, I like this style of song. Or I like this style of song. Everything is going to be the same style of song with the same style of concept, and we're going to move forward
2: in that position. What do you think you've learned about yourself making a narrative? Um, I learned
0: about how I feel about different aspects of life. Blue, I want to say... I think Blue sent in three different concepts. Freedom was one of them. One was another one, and so was Stay Down. Roll Up, Rain, and Dark Souls was was me. Um, and Roll Up, I wanted to have a conversation about COVID. Rain, I wanted to just have a bar fest, you know, and then Dark Souls, I wanted to talk about police brutality. Um, Blue... Again, him being a poet, you can kind of see the three songs that he picked and how well they fit with his style. Stay Down was a, a, a bio, a, a, basically a biography of him before making music. Freedom is classic blue, just speaking on freedom and what it means to him and what it means to be free. Um, and then one was you know, him talking about his religious beliefs and me. Having to dig deep to 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 follow his lead on those three songs was was incredible because I've always been an advocate of, and you know verbally speaking on police brutality, you know from I'm Sean all the way up to Dark Souls, bar I'm always bar heavy. So Rain speaks to that, and then when you think about Roll Up, um, you know me just wanted to talk about what the government is doing. That's always been something that I've been in tune with. So it was a perfect marriage, and I think this project allowed me to dig deep within myself and get my theories, thoughts, and opinions out there for the
2: people to kind of dissect. Well, you mentioned the words digging deep. You talked about earlier your son, of course, being a huge inspiration on on, on your craft over the past so many years. How do you think fatherhood is held a mirror to the experience of putting together this album, specifically over the past 12 to 16 months?
0: Um, I think my writing has gotten a little bit better. Um, I think from a a lyricist standpoint, I'm more, I'm more conscientious of what I'm saying and how I'm saying it because at some point I'm not going to be here and I want him to be able to, you know, dial back and listen back to, to all of this content that I put out from his conception. And I think I'm being a little bit more mindful with my usage of words and, and my ideals and, and my um, and my concepts and my thought process, it's leading into the music. Because I want him to take this stuff and listen to it when he gets older and, and, and use my voice as a tool to move forward in life. And so that, so him being born was essential for me and my growth.
2: So we're very much talking about a legacy project for yourself in sorts. Yeah. It's definitely a legacy um a legacy situation right right um, yeah, you talk about quitting your day job at twenty six of course on freedom, which features, as you said earlier, quoted a friend in terms of navigating the industry you've you've experienced years of moving in between major labels without much forward momentum. How are you finding the landscape right now in both terms of recording the music and putting it out
0: um Everything is microwavable these days. It's a little, uh, it's a little depressing at times because you know, Hugh, the project for my son was overlooked. Uh, maybe it was due to promotion and me putting it out so quickly, so I could come out on his birthday. That that was something that I really um, wanted people to really love and gravitate to. I, I even though I did it quick. It took a lot out of me because um I had to write so fast to get it done for my son's birthday. Um it's tough in this era. If you're not if every if your ducks are not aligned in a row, it can be very, very difficult for you to get lost in this new wave of content. Yeah. You know, I have some passion projects. Obviously, Mouse being Mouse Two being one of them, Mm. but I have some other stuff that is mind-bending, and um, you know, in terms of conceptual stuff. You know, Hugh is a conceptual project. So now I'm looking to do more things on that vein, which everything is just themed around a specific topic, and we just have these deep dive conversations about them. But I want to make sure that. The promotion and the marketing is in place so that things don't get overlooked.
2: Do you find more creativity in recording conceptual projects versus other types of projects? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, You know, there is a uh, there is a stark contrast between me putting together a freestyle tape like I said, yo, or, you know, why three or why, why not? Um, As like those are con- those are freestyle things, <laughs> but then when I get into 740 Park Avenue, or I get into Mickey Mouse, or I get into Hue, or warped collages, or In Search of the Nerd, or Heaven's Fallout, like these projects, or Loveless Loss, right? Like these projects have a tone, a theme to follow, and it takes you on you know sp- sp- specific journeys of
2: what I'm thinking and how you know what I'm saying, I'm moving, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of journeys and how you're moving, we're coming up on the fifth anniversary of your de- official debut album next month, which is also produced entirely by Knots. When you reflect on your achievement, what is it that sticks out most to you about that period and experience putting it together? Um... <sighs> What sticks out the most to me was
0: finally uh, I got that weight off of my shoulders of releasing a debut album. Uh, it was a it was a big deal for me at that time to kind of get that out. I didn't realize that people really wanted. You know, there's a um, there's a difference between you know uh, mixtapes and albums to people. That people can physically buy, like tangible work, you know. But we treated every mixtape or every project like an album. And Search of the NERD to us was an album. That was my debut album to me. Um, It's just that, you know, we rapped over Pharrell beats, but the concepts didn't feel like a mixtape. We were making songs. Um, We were taking beats and and turning them into songs. There's nothing different from what I was doing than what people were doing when hip hop was incepted. So um but the achievement was something tangible that people could purchase and stream and hold on to and and so that it meant a lot to me the mo- the, the one memory two memories i have of the achievement is uh me and Styles P recording verses um just going back and forth and Fonte going above and beyond to to make a great record for us singing Rapping, getting instrumental, uh, people to play extra instruments on the song, getting background singers. Fonte went above and beyond. I am, you know, I, I think he's one of the greatest MCs ever, you know, and and he doesn't get that respect. And I would love to do more work with him because he's just incredible on that level.
1: Yeah, early morning, my coffee is on. I took a sip, closed my eyes, and invited the to dawn. Took a trip through memory lane as you laid in my arms. Thinking back on all my niggas that I should have worn. Now I see they full of resentment instead of contentment. Looking at they baby mamas like I should have worn. A condom or took it to the crib and beat off with some porn. The drama got him wanting to rum, but that option is gone. Freezing. I say all that to say that we're fortunate. We don't treat our love as a tournament. A contest or game that you just play until you go and get bored with it. And where the next
0: contestant is some kind of ornament. Going is rough, but school C's never made a teller. And lawsuits never made a teller. There's a lot of stuff in the works. From me coming up, I've done a lot of different things for a lot of different known and unknown artists uh probably, i'm probably gonna be on Capadonna's album inspector nice. deck's uh i at least something crazy for Inspector deck uh oh yeah yeah uh me and r j Payne we have about six songs nice. on other people on other people's features that's just randomly waiting to be released um I do so many features and so many verses for so many people. I could be missing out and on what I've done and what I haven't done. So right. pardon me on that. But this, there's a lot on the way.
2: That's a promise. You mentioned collaborations with Inspector Deck and of course Capadonna. What's the situation with this track with Shaheem? Is that, has that dropped? So yes. Yeah, so the Shaheem record has
0: come out. Um, it's me, Shaheem, Rockness Monster. From Helter Skelter yep. and RJ Payne. That track came out about two weeks ago. Um, it's a, I think it's called Mercy Me. It's it's something, you know, after, after Nori apologized, because me and Shaheen were already good. Right. You know, before before he even made the post, we had already settled our differences and spoke on, on the phone. But he he kind of wanted to make sure everybody that was on the show you know, had a chance to speak. So once him and Nori spoke, he uh he hit me and was like, Yo, I think we should do a record. Um, and I want to put it out next week. And I was like, Okay, send it to me today, it'll get done tomorrow. And and, and lo and behold, it was done the very next day. And he was blown away at the fact that how quickly I worked, and uh, you know, I was just happy to be able to work with somebody like Shaheen, you know, who, you know, I got a lot of respect for. It's the
1: king of the flag. Living the movie, all of my scenes are widescreen I've been cooking too long, they compare me to dried beans Eating Chinese, just me myself, no Irene, no Shaheem I'm stuck in the track because it's Siamese These guys, these Fucking with rats trying to find cheese, ride me Every rhyme scheme is a high beam So you can see the drip in your eye clean like Visine These lime green Y3s attracting all the swag Credit cards and bags and cash, you want an autograph Grown men speaking on me,
0: it's all sorta trash Your
1: mother should apologize
0: me and Method Man have a lot of mutual friends, but I have never had the pleasure of meeting him. Um, obviously, you know, the Joe Bud and Raekwon situation, you know, Brave knew who I was. But, uh, and, you know, we've spoken that, you know, after that in terms of, you know, uh, pleasantries and, and, and salutations. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge ODB fan. I interviewed Jizza a very long time ago, like maybe 09. Really? Yeah, me and Jiz I, I interviewed Jiza for Rock the Bells. Dumb. it was it was an amazing conversation that him and I had in terms of lyricism and and, and, and academia. Um, he's, you know, obviously one of the one of the GOATs, and I have a lot of love and respect for him. Um never got the chance to meet with Rizza. Never I, I, I ran into U-God as a kid, never met Master Killer, and that's about it. You know, I was just with Prodigal Son in l a. from Sons of Man, me and him uh, was working on music. So that's you know, right. It's a lot of love for for that for that faction of hip-hop. I stopped smoking. Got more into drinking. Uh, I don't know why. I don't ask me. I'm not ready to explain that. <laughs> I used to be afraid to die, however. Now, not really anymore. I've learned to accept whatever comes my way. Probably because I know after my eyes close, the eyes of others will be open to my heart. <sighs> they criticize you when you're alive. And memorialize you when you die. I've seen it done to all my friends, and it's it's really sad. And I know eventually it will happen to me. I mean, look at Michael Jackson. He is the greatest entertainer living right now. Thriller is by far my favorite album right now. I listen to it all the time. And aside from Madonna, he is the best living right now.
2: <sighs>
0: but the media is already beginning to heckle him. Meanwhile, he's just starting to do the impossible. Watch, mark my words. When he dies, the world will cry. The whole world. Let's hope he never does. And I hope they cry for me, though, because I'm ready to leave. Mouse.
2: But what's the status of Mickey Mouse too? Um, the status for Mickey Mouse 2 currently,
0: um, it's written. The whole thing is written. The storyline is, man, it is epic. It is it is a literal movie. Um, it's probably some of my best writing in terms of storytelling. I'm blown away at what I was able to do with this. It's the production that I'm having some issues with in terms of what style of production we're going to go with Mm. and can we get it done on the 10th year, 10 year anniversary, trying to find a producer, like we're, we're, I'm talking to different producers, but I'm trying to find someone who can, who can create the sound bed for this project and make it something that's epic for the people because the lyrics are, you know, I was gonna, I was following the template of the first one. And if I and if were to maintain that template, the project would definitely be out by March 26th because I already know what the beats sound like. I already know, you know, I wrote to these beats um, after speaking to some creative people and, and, and people who are gonna be handling the marketing of the project, they were saying, hey, you know, you might, you know, we wanna sell this and make this a bigger thing. So maybe we should get someone to create original production for it. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm down with that, but let's, you know, let's get it going because I'm ready to put this out. I'm ready to, this is becoming, you know, I announced this at the end of 2014. That's right. It was supposed to come out 12, 13, 14. Um, And which would have been two years after the original project, Um, you know, and coincidentally, that's the day I met my wife. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we're nine years in nine and a half years in right now. I will say I wrote the whole project during the pandemic and, um, I'm extremely confident in this project. Like I I think it's, I think it's some of my best writing ever. Um, it's just jam packed with jewels and Mm highs and lows it's it gets dark it gets hopeful it gets light-hearted it gets it's just it's the first project was a um was a biography of someone that nobody knew about and it kind of hit people it hit people out of nowhere this one is more about hope and legacy you know mouses left off in the last project with hiv and he's now you just kind of don't know what happens. So now, you know, I tackled this. And I think, you know, everything happens for a reason. I say that very uh, candidly because I wrote this during the height of the pandemic. And when you think about the correlation between HIV in the 90s and the early 80s, mm. COVID in 2020 in April, May, the 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 juxtaposition of that is absolutely mind blowing yeah. because, P, you know it brought us back to when people didn't know how you contracted HIV. So there were people who I was able to experience, you know, what it was like to for people who who didn't know if someone had HIV or not, um, because the mask was pretty much like the legions that people had HIV. So it was like. If so, you heard someone coughing, you were already looking at them weirdly, and it's, I had to put position that as legions on someone's face or body from HIV. Um, so, like, I, I watched Philadelphia. You know, I, I read up on HIV. This thing is this thing is powerful. This thing is a po- this is a very very powerful project, writing wise. I promise you it's it's powerful unlike it's unlike anything I've ever written I had to dive extremely deep um to do this um and I and I'm 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 ready I'm ready to put this thing out I really am ready to put this thing out because I think it's going to it's going to top the first one
1: Et maintenant je vous présente Mickey Mouse Whoop. Whoop. Question. Question Mouse Mouse painting on the ceiling, drips on the floor in the Met Life building. My life met more. Had an auction out in Paris. Highest bidder yelled out a million for the canvas. He put it in his palace. Bronx kid, cut school, never seen a campus, but I spoke to the masses in all of the art classes different pairs of glasses that I always had to try on, my converts had die on, they dried on, put my Levi's on, Mark my cry on, roses for John, Lennon, me and my friends cried on, icons that write songs, I call them poised, we took Polaroids with photo toys, overjoyed, told the clones go home, they were null and void, kids followed my slick models, pictures of thin models, Central Park lunch was McDonald's, Big Macs bucks, 50 straws and thin bottles, Coca-Cola logos, intern for Annie's used to get a and convincing hers from sammy we was a small family gave me advice when i was antsy later on used to call him granny inanimate objects made accurate concepts pops kicked me out so i abandoned the projects train yard bombing all day gloss spray snuck the sea wild style up on Broadway slept next to
0: man um getting into mouse 2 after uh, you know eight years because it came out in 2012 so i was starting to write it in 2020, I had to get back into that world of mouse. So I, I dove into speaking with painters and, and artists on IG. Everybody's doing IG live. So I was having conversations with painters and and, and, um, and sculptors and I was taking notes down, interviewing different people, interviewing art students, um, trying to get back into that mode of being an artist. Um, and then on top of that, obviously, uh, Researching HIV, the different effects of HIV on the body and what it does to you mentally. What were people doing with HIV in the 80s, the 90s? Correlating that with the pandemic now and how people were acting towards people who had COVID. Not knowing what was going on, watching the news, finding old news clippings, old news articles on HIV. I was just diving so into so many different places i even you know because the first mouse he was a smoker um this mouse he was he's a drinker right okay so now he's a drink so i I had to dive into that kind of mindset of drinking i got into drinking a little bit heavier than i should have but it helped with the writing process to kind of see where i was going um and then obviously he is um you know if people have been listening to the little songs that I put out here and there, um, you know, trying to keep people informed of what's going to happen with Mouse. He's taking on a um, protege and um, the protege is the MacGuffin. When you get to the last song, you're going to find out who it is. And it's just, it's just like, it's, it feels like, it feels like the Marvel cinematic universe when people find out who it's going to be. It's, it's like really Mickey, like, How are you coming up with these concepts and creating this world that exists, but it doesn't exist? It's just it's mind blowing. Like, I, you know, it's and I don't ever, you know, I've I've done a lot of music in my life and I don't ever toot my own horn when it comes to my music. But with this particular project, there was a reason why it had to take eight years for me to actually start
2: writing it. It sounds like it was a heavy process this time around with yourself, like you say, having to drink a bit more, to put yourself in the shoes more and method act a bit more for the process of it. Can you talk about this role of, you know, dystopia today and how that has, you know, affected the narrative for this album as a way to work through some of these emotions that came through writing some of these lyrics?
1: Yeah,
0: um, I had to... Listen to the mouse over and over again, watched old interviews and dive into this mindset of this character. Right. And, and becoming this character for the month of May, I, as you, as I told you earlier, I wrote warp collages in a week. I wrote Hugh in three days. I wrote, I said, yo, in about 15 hours. It took me a month to write um, mouse too. Mm. It took me a full month to write mouse Two. And every day, I sat down, and I and I and I and I said, "Okay, I'm going to learn about this today. I'm going to read this today. I'm going to watch this today. I'm going to speak to this person today, and we're going to go and dive into the song." This is probably going to be the longest project I've ever put together. It's going to be like maybe 19, 20 songs. I want this to be a, a, an actual movie. Um, and in terms of the process, right? Like I was, you know, my wife had just had a baby. So I'm putting together this project while she's dealing with postpartum and I'm trying to method act by drinking more and, and being this person more. So it was a little tough, but I needed to do that in order to create this project. So there was there are things that I say on the project that directly come from her and I's back and forth. I had to use that uh that back and forth for his emotional toll when dealing with women uh and not and wanting to be alone because he's dealing with something that he has no idea what it is <laughs> so you know we this thing is this thing is unbelievable it right? sounds like, it, man i I uh just for just for just for some clarity purpose this is the only thing this is the one thing I'm gonna give away right? Uh, There's a song on the, on the project called Dr. Peter Gordon. And this song is me coming in from London or overseas, wherever he was, he comes in and he has a a, a myriad of missed calls from his doctor. And even though he's feeling sick, he's, he's afraid because obviously his friends have been dying from HIV and, and different things. And he's, and he has to deal with this emotional toll of anxiety going to the doctor, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. It, like, it's, it's, it's one of the most powerful songs I've ever written. Like it, it, that, it literally encapsulates not only the anxiety of going to the doctor's office and what was happening in the 80s, but it also encapsulates the fear of COVID-19, yeah. that direct correlation. Of not knowing what is gonna happen if you think you have something going on, like it it did that that song. You know, I I, I, pl- I sent the whole project to my A because I, I he didn't know it, he I, even though I was gonna do it. He heard he was like that is the most he said he I wanted that to be in the middle of the project. He said you need to start the project off with that song. That song is one of the most powerful songs I've ever heard in my
2: life. Incredible! And do you think this song is gonna? Help to remove the stigma around the misconception around HIV. Um, I think this. I, I
0: would hope you know HIV um, is a, is an interesting topic. It's not spoken about as much as it used to be. Yeah, and uh, I think that the song. Not only will help with the misconceptions about HIV and how people were reacting towards it back in the days, but it will also help for people to, to remove fear of going to the doctor's office and to hospitals, because it, you know I had to place myself in the shoes of somebody who had a, a ton of fear of seeing a doctor, not knowing what was going on.
2: How do you keep faith in yourself and your craft during such turbulent times? Um, a lot of it is my family um being the sole breadwinner
0: i have to i have to have faith that everything that that i do will come back tenfold um because if it doesn't then we'll be homeless (laughs) so uh i put a lot of emphasis and 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 time into my craft to make sure it is top notch quality i can't take a day off or a minute off because, you know, it's tough. It's really tough. So, you know, my inspiration and any everything comes from my family. I'm being watched for the wrong
1: reasons all season. They say they love you, but they hate you in all seasons. They spring up when you win turns For more freedom And they want some of your bread Before you fall screaming Believe it Quiz Ripley about the kid Mickey The artist with four eyes But not from Mississippi Ironically I ain't got nothing but vision in me I'm here when I paint words Nobody's sicker than me I hear when I spray words no Achilles with me But clones still wanna kick and hit me I scare bastards Ghost in the air you fear but Eyes watch But it never works out For scared masters I'm judged Every year after I hear laughter. They invade your mind. Your ear captured thereafter. So many people got opinions on my dominion. I work for what I've earned. I'm not offended. I'm mended. I wish I could show my appreciation for this podcast. I wish I could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when fly fidelity updates because it's so great, but I don't think
0: there's a way I can do any of those things.
2: Uh-oh, you're wrong.
0: <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My people thought you with me where you were!